This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Small Biz America. The Brain. Zeroing in on your dreams, expecting to receive all you deserve, achieving success as you define it, and transcending to a higher self. That's how Linda Babulik describes living a truly zesty life. She lives and breathes this zest philosophy and methodology in everything she does. She joins us on the line. And you're joining us from where, Linda? I'm in Ottawa, Canada, the nation's capital. Love it. Thanks so much for joining us on the program. It's great to be with you. So you have a wonderful Amazon bestseller called Zest Your Life, A Taste of Inner Wisdom. So let's, if we can, for our listeners, preview the book and the work and what led to it and sort of give us the top-level view on this project. Well, it started in a conversation I had. I was sitting in, as many things do, eh? I was sitting in a women's circle and I said something that somebody obviously was impressed with. And she said, you know, if you did workshops on that, I'd go to that workshop. And so that set me off down that line. And I had the book in mind, in the back of my mind, like, oh, yes, someday, maybe. But then I started writing the workshops and they came out beautifully, like magic, in, I delivered the workshops to prove and validate the materials so that it wasn't just a book written from this is what Linda thinks, this is what worked for Linda, and good luck with that. I wanted to see it, it really worked, and it did. I saw women change before my eyes. The, the very first session I had, uh, a woman was there. She was very distraught, and she said, you know, I was sort of cynical when I came in. But something has happened to me in one of the exercises. She and her friend were hugging and crying and laughing, and I couldn't tell what was going on. It was only later that she shared with me that her husband had been a police officer and he was off duty in a bar, which he never did or seldom did one night with his friends, other police officers, and somebody came in and shot him and killed him left her a widow with a couple of children, and she had locked down her life for 12 years. Now, this changed her life so much. Something broke open in her that night. She never came back to another workshop. I kept getting emails from her saying, I'm in Disney with my kids. We're going on a cruise. I'm taking my kids to the Barbados. And her whole life changed. It was so beautiful to see. So you're doing very transformative work, I'm guessing predominantly with women, 
with sort of zest at the center from a thematic point of view. But you have observed that uh, many people are experiencing what I'll call extreme frustration, scarcity, doubt. So I have a two-part question. One is, from your perspective, what is it that's fueling those emotions, A? And, and behind that question, or in front of it, is what is it about you and your approach in your workshops that you feel is, is transforming the way these women feel? Well, I think the um, that's an excellent question. And I think that the frustration comes from looking around and realizing that this isn't the life they wanted. I talk to women again and again and again that say, this isn't the life I expected. And when I ask the next obvious question, what did you expect? They say, I expected more joy, more laughter, more fun. They haven't thought about their life. They've just been pushed around like a leaf in the wind. You're expected to do this. You're expected to do that. And, you know, when you don't control your life and you don't have your own dreams, your own dreams aren't coming true. You're following somebody else's agenda. Linda, do you think that this is, um, how should I say, somewhat ubiquitous to women as a gender? Because I know that's the space you're dealing with, if I've got it right, predominantly. Or are there men that are dealing with similar frustrations where they sort of, if they have a moment where they stop and say, wow, I was expecting something different, and they've got this sort of expectation gap? That's my term. But you know, how is this a gender thing? I guess that's my question. Well, I think it's not. I think men experience it in a very different way. Certainly they experience it early on when all of a sudden, you know, they get married, everything's wonderful, all the courting, they're loving that. Mm. And then they may get married. And whether it's same sex or opposite sex, I don't think it makes any difference. Yeah. They get married, they buy a house, they have a mortgage, and all of a sudden they feel trapped. And if they have children, that's just going to compound it. They don't have time. And they didn't expect their life to be like that. We all expect more joy, more laughter, more vibrancy. I mean, look at you. You changed careers so you could have more of that fun. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I've gone through several iterations of that process. There is this moment where you stop and you say, what matters to me? What really, really, really matters to me? And I think part of what's sort of baked into the, our collective psyche is that we're just moving through a life that, as you said, it slightly differently. It's externally focused. It's, it's based on expectations uh, that are made by others. And you're almost living other people's lives or, or a set of expectations that aren't really driven from your internal uh, heart and soul. And I, if I've got it right, that's, that's the place you, I'll say, aim to, to really liberate and reframe in your case, these the women that you work with, their lives and how, how they approach it. I have a question behind all of that that I just said is, is this to some extent from your um, experience that we're all kind of living on a future expectation sort of modality where we're, it's all future oriented? Is that how you see it or is it different? Well, one or the other, we're either living in the past and we're still a victim of our past filled with regrets or I should have done this, I should have gone to university, I should have been a lawyer, I should have been a vagabond, I should have been a gypsy, whatever it was, it could be stuck in the past. And as long as you're there, you're still a victim to that past and you're living your life in regret or you're planning for the future. And I think what's really um, indicative of that is some of the commercials about retirement. 
A friend of mine's a financial advisor, and he said, Linda, it's so hard to explain to people that retirement isn't walking hand in hand down the beach. It's lovely, but that's not all there is after you retire. There's more to life than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different set of activities that are not necessarily geared to capital accumulation, to put it in the financial perspective. And I think that's mm-hmm. the, that's the reframe that that person, the financial advisor, is being, you know, sort of uh, grappling with. How do I reframe this? It doesn't mean you stop doing anything. In fact, for me, and this may not surprise you, and I'll bet you're similar. Uh, retirement to me has always been sort of an alien concept because I live in an integrated way. I always have done, or most of the time, I've been lucky enough to do what I like doing, and so it's not like there's a line between work and play for me. Now I know that a lot of the world doesn't think and operate that way, but that's the way I tend to think about it. And I well, I'm to- certainly hoping that we're getting to that tipping point where we have a critical mass of people that do think this way, that do realize that there are not straight cut lines into living our life in pillars. You know, we're disintegrating the pillars so that we can do what we love. We can support the people that we love in doing what they love. You know, I think that's the number one thing that we should be doing is supporting the people around us because the more happiness and joy and vibrancy we could give the people around us, then the more we're going to receive ourselves. Absolutely. And, and this points to the retirement question. Maybe for many, retirement can be more about better integration or better integration, more integration or a different kind of integration rather than stopping and starting a new pillar to use your word. The pillar word is a good one. I was going to ask you about, I had a note here to ask about how we get balance in our personal and business life. And I think we're kind of sitting on that framework right now. There's this theme of of balance. And some have said uh, that it's not about uh, balance at all. It's actually, there is no balance. It's, 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 a, it's, an, it's a concept that's that's not really attainable. It's more about integration. I wanted to get your point of view on, you know, we call it work-life balance, but how do you frame this out? I totally agree with that. And I'm, I love doing live talks where I have an audience in front of me so I can show them a picture of a teeter-totter or I stand there with my arms straight out and I say, this is balance. Now, how much fun is a teeter-totter that's in total balance? <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Yeah. That's no fun. It's static. The whole idea yeah. hmm. of being on the teeter-totter, a symbol for life, is the ups and the downs. I mean, I mean, we've all sat on the teeter-totter where the other kid wouldn't move and you're stuck hanging there. That's no fun at all. You want to go up. You want to feel that bounce. And sometimes you fall right off it, but that's okay. You get back on the teeter-totter and you just keep going. That's life. We're visiting with Linda Babulik. She is the author of Zest Your Life, A Taste of Inner Wisdom. And also uh, you can find out more about the work she's doing at ZestYourLife.com. Just like it sounds, ZestYourLife.com. And you're coming to us from Ottawa, Canada. So I'm guessing you're doing a lot of live speaking. You've mentioned that. Who tends to be in the groups you speak to? And what do you find that they're asking you for Uh, in terms of guidance? What I'm finding is that women's needs and men's needs are very different. And this is something I've been exploring with my monthly group, the Zest Wisdom Circle for Women. And I've discovered that women's needs are all interior needs. So women need birthing and intimacy. We need self-love, security, honor, self-worth. 
and self-respect, all those are inner needs. And men's needs are all but one are different. Men need to produce ideas or projects or things. They need to have integrity in their lives. They need to have a pride in what they've produced. They want people to know they've produced something. The only two places where we're together is on communication, and men and women do that very, very differently. So once we know that, could you imagine how different your relationships are? We'll stop molding each other, and I know that your needs are from the outside. And, for example, when I said of all of the different experiences you've had, that's me talking to your outside. That's right. You're talking to my inside. You didn't even know you're doing it. How are you influencing people, Linda? That's touching my self-worth, my self-respect. You're exactly right. I intuitively did that. I didn't ask about, I mean, we talked a little bit about the book because that's something you produced. And so I can relate to that. And it's sort of a place we can start from. But really, my, you're right. My focus is in this conversation has been more about what's, what's glowing from your heart and your soul in the work you do that transforms these women's lives. That's the, the interesting part about the work you're doing and, and how you do it. So in some ways, you're speaking to people. Do you also do work one-on-one with uh, the folks you work with? Or, or I'm trying to get at how or what are the different ways that you do the work you do to help people uh, transform? The way they're thinking. Okay, well, the major ways, the major ways, I've always already mentioned the uh, Zest Wisdom Circle, which is a very small group, and I'm testing and validating the materials for my next book. Yeah, and, I and guess, that's the way I did it for this book. The other thing I offer is the one-on-one, and it's interesting because I just signed a new client yesterday, and I got to my office and realized there was an event on last night. What? and sent her the invitation to join me. One of the challenges she has is social anxiety. So she came with me and she had a great time. It was networking, but they had a panel. So she didn't have to go around introducing herself. And I think she picked up a new client just from sitting at the table with four people. Fantastic. It is. And so it's, I work one-on-one. I can really customize and zoom into exactly where you want to be in a few months. One of the clients I worked with doubled her business in four months. Wow. The other piece that I do is I'm a certified dream coach with Marsha Weeder, who's been on Oprah half a dozen times. She endorsed my book. And that's a 10-week program with an optional two weeks. There's 60-minute sessions. Those I could do with both men, with either men or women. It's not uh, gender specific. And we take you right through what is your intent for your life? What is your purpose for your life? And often, referring to what we've already talked about, we don't live our purpose or we deny our purpose. And we might have had that dream, but we put it aside because there's a doubter. I love that phrase. There's a doubter in our heads, which I call the itty bitty shitty committee. Mm-hmm. And we need to know how to learn from that doubt in our head to turn it and work together with that. And then we move you through the 10 weeks. So then you end up working on a project that is directly related to your purpose. So really you become aligned with your purpose in a new way. If that's my way of reiterating it, do I have that right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I met a financial planner, a young gal, Mm -hmm. a couple of months ago. And I said, do you know what your purpose is? She says, my purpose is to help people. 
I said, that's everybody's purpose. We should all have that as our major purpose. When we're born as humans on this planet, that's our purpose, is to help other people. But what's your individual purpose? And if it involves other people, then when you don't have those others, you know, if your purpose is to provide beautiful homes to people, you sell real estate and buy real estate, then what happens when you have no clients? You're not fulfilling your purpose. And this, we dig deeper, we find your soul's purpose. And with that, then you could move on and you're not a victim to having clients or customers or not. My purpose is to be zest. And people who know me know I'm zest. I walk into the room, I'm usually wearing an orange outfit or something orange. I pull up in my orange Volkswagen Beetle with my orange purse. I mean, it's just great. People know that I live my zest. What and is that a, doesn't depend on whether I have clients or not. Right, right. You're not looking to the exterior cues to have your zest in your life. It starts with you. What is it about orange? It's the started with the color of the cover on my book. I have an orange on the cover of my book. Oh, okay. And uh, it's yeah. that play on words, which my background, I'm French Canadian, and we do a lot of that. And I love it. So zest your life, but then there's an orange zest on it, but it's not a cookbook. And just like if you use a little bit of zest in a recipe, it just adds that extra thing mm. that people sort of go, wow, that's really good. What is that? And it's the same thing if you add zest into your life. It's that thing that will move your game up to the next level. Yeah. It'll just make you walk straighter, breathe deeper, smile more. That's what zest does in your life. I love it. And I love it as a sort of a centering thought for everything you do. The book is Zest Your Life, A Taste for Inner Wisdom. We've been visiting with Linda Babulik. She is the author and she's doing fantastic transformative work with women up in Ottawa, Canada, and probably other places as well online, I'm sure. We can find the book, I'm guessing, on Amazon since it's, it's, it is indeed an Amazon bestseller, right? And, yes. Uh, of course, the website is www.zestyourlife.com. Uh, Linda, thanks so much for joining us on Small Biz America and uh, wishing you the best. We'll do it again for sure. Thank you so much, David. It's been my pleasure. Small Biz, Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.